Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Generations podcast. Friends, today we're doing our wrap-up of the original trilogy with myself, Aaron McGowan, and Alex Corman. But before we jump into that, I have some great news for you. I want to announce that we are going to be kicking off at the end of this month the Star Wars Generations book club, where every month we're going to look at a particular book from the Star Wars canon, um, mostly from the newer canon, but we will include some extended universe books, including we're going to start out with Hard Contact, one of the first books of the uh, the first book of the Republic Commando series, which really kind of gives a whole lot of the way of looking at the clones and all that, uh, a beloved of Aaron McGowan, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that. And the big thing about this is this is going to be a members-only uh, release. We may, a couple months later, release them for everybody else. Uh, we may not. We're not sure about that yet. But definitely, if you're a member, you will get access to these book club episodes. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of great guests. We're going to let you all, the members, help choose what books we pick. And to become a member, it's only $5 a month, $55 for a year. You get all of this. You get the bonus content that comes at the end of every episode. You get ad-free content. And of course, you get a way to help support the podcast. So if you just go to the link in the show notes, it's only $5 a month, $55 a year. You get access to all of that. And it's just a great way to help support what we got going on. So please give that a thought. But for now, let's get into the original trilogy. So Aaron, let me start with you. What's kind of your overall feeling on the original trilogy, having rewatched these three movies and discussed them in depth with us like this? I'm just more excited about Star Wars than ever. Like, yeah. it had just been a while since I'd watched the original trilogy, and it was just so fun to get back into where it started and just, like, really remind myself of the beloved characters, because I don't know if you guys can tell, but I have a, um, what would you say, bias towards prequel era material. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. So sometimes I forget about just how much I love like Han and Luke and Leia. Like they kind of sit in the back of my mind. And so it's just been like so fun getting to know those characters better and again. And like getting to know them better as like more of a mature informed adult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really hear that. And I love the way you phrase that because, you know, this is part of the whole generation's idea. I hate the fact that we're in this world of, well, if you like the prequels, then you're supposed to shit on the original trilogy. Or if you like the original trilogy, you're supposed to think that everything that came afterwards, the prequels and the sequels, is all terrible. And I think each trilogy is different. I think each trilogy has its strengths and its weaknesses. And all of us can have our favorites among the three. But we don't have – it doesn't have to be a competition. It doesn't have to be I love these and so I hate these. Absolutely. Yeah. Um you know, I think, you know, I, I I also, I mean, just having grown up when I did, I have a, a slight, um, you know, bias towards the prequels as well. But I, I think that recently, you know, with um, with Andor having come out this past year, um, or I guess was it almost two years ago now? I, don't, I can't remember exactly when it came out. But, you know, that kind of um, – it just added additional context to the originals. And I, and I haven't done like a proper like, you know – like I watched, I watched all the movies like all the time, but like I'm usually half watching them while I'm doing other things. It's how the ADHD just goes. And when we're doing it for the podcast, I'm like really focused. That was the first time I'd really focused on the movies since Andor came out. And it just to me like they feel like the, the new content being made is just enhancing them more and more and making the stories even more deep. Um, and it just deepened my appreciation for for the originals as a whole. And and like I don't know, gets me even more excited for all the the future stuff coming out. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great point. Like, I love 
that we're not just getting sequel era content or prequel era content right now. We're getting literally like a lot of post empire, but also, you know, high Republic Mm -hmm. and just other eras. We're going to be getting at some point, like a movie after the sequels. Like I like that they're working on everything right now and not just kind of doing like tunnel vision on one thing, which I think kind of goes to what you're saying, Matthew about, getting everyone excited about every era, regardless of, like, why you fell in love with Star Wars. Very much so. Very much so. And I think at times it can be confusing to more casual fans, and I want to have some real sympathy for that. Like, I definitely know that when talking to friends of mine about, like, different shows that were coming out, they're like, okay, but wait, when is this happening and that kind of thing. But I love that we're getting all this new content from all different parts because mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I – I love about the original trilogy is that in many ways it's a fairly small story. Like obviously it's about this huge galactic situation, mm-hmm. but you watch it, you really realize, especially compared to more recent stuff, how little we ever find out. Like we learn almost nothing about all the people that came to Yavin and how that happened. Uh, Rogue One tells us that story uh, as well as some of the books. We get very little about, you know, how we got to Hoth and what happens after Hoth and like all the thing, you know, because it's really just, there are very few, now that I think of it, I don't think there's a moment when in the original trilogy, at every moment, one of these characters is on screen. Luke, Leia, Han, Vader. Or or the two droids. Like, it's yeah. always one of those six. And I think that's great. But like, in many ways, the original trilogy is such a small-scale project that I think it really is great that we're getting all the stuff that's filling in more of those gaps. You know, what was happening in Jabba's palace during all this time? What was happening among the Empire? What was happening with uh, the Dr. Aphra um, books on uh, book, comic books, and also now audio story, which I'm really going to recommend, and it will definitely be something our audio book club takes on at some point soon. Um, they really do a great job of filling in how the Emperor was pretty mad at Vader for losing the Death Star and how all that played out and how the Vader had to kind of like win himself back. And, um, you know, and then you think about the stories with him and Thrawn that are explained in the um, the other book and how all that fits together. It's just, for me, the original trilogy is kind of the connective tissue of it all, but it's been wonderful seeing how all these stories are getting expanded on. Yeah, and I I think that, Star Wars, especially the original trilogy where like Lucas is really digging into this, you know, he he really and I was gonna look it up, but I don't know the exact type of storytelling, but it's based in in Japanese storytelling where like they kind of just throw you into the middle of a of a of a, a story, like you're just thrown into it, like in Episode Four, we're just we have no idea what's going on, and you find out about the characters and fill in information as you go along. It's kind of like piecing it together, um, which is not which you know not traditional Western storytelling, and I think that. That style lends Star Wars to be like, you know, what you're saying, Matthew, like so open to like filling in things and having little stories. I mean, like, you know, those movies were made and you like you could walk away from those movies and be very content and never consume any other piece of Star Wars content. Or you could read all the books. They could keep making stuff to fill in those little gaps and keep adding context and details. It just further enhances and enhances the story. And I just... what I love about Star Wars, I think, so much. And I think the original is especially because it's not like, like you said, like we have no idea. So many things we have no idea. And there's so many questions that they can choose to leave to our imagination or, as we've seen, can fill in context through shows and books and, and other, you know, 
comic books and other ways of uh, of storytelling. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I also think for me in many ways, like I remember when we were, we were ranking our movies, uh, the different choices we had. I had real trouble because for me, the, the, these three are really bunched together because they're all very good. But they're also to me all of a piece. And I kind of think rewatching it like this really sort of reiterated that for me. That part of why it's hard for me to say, like, is Empire better or is A New Hope better or Return of the Jedi better is, especially I think with Empire, Empire to me is the middle of the story and it really helps to bridge from one to the other. But I think that unlike some of the other trilogies, which I think have movies that stand on their own a little more, for me, each of these three really requires – like, A New Hope kind of stands on its own because it's the start of it all. But, like, each of the – it really just works so well as a trilogy in a way I'm not sure – Definitely, I think we can agree that the sequels don't, and and even the prequels definitely do, but there's much bigger time jumps in between. And so it feels more like three distinct movies in a way that the original trilogy really is all just of one piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really well put together story, which is crazy considering that they didn't know it was going to be a trilogy story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just the way that first movie is crafted is so perfect because it can be a complete separate story it could be just a standalone truly but with you know ending with vader spitting into the abyss or it leaves all these open ends to get the next two movies that we have in this incredible world galaxy (laughs) now we're definitely gonna talk about some favorites but i don't want this to be all positive you know we gotta have a little bit of spice mixed in here um so i'll just start with what was a storyline or a character that just never really worked for you in the original trilogy And often I give them one? some time to prepare this one. We've had <laughs> snowstorms. We've had a lot of things get rescheduled again and again. We're a little bit flying by the seat of our pants here. But hell, that's how the rebellion is made. So, Woo. Do you have one you want to start with, Matthew, while we're thinking? Yeah, I think I would say the – we talked a lot about it already. But the Princess Le- – the Slave Leia thing I think is really it, – and it, it partly maybe it also because – like it's funny. There are – I've had people go back and watch Casablanca with me, which is one of my favorite movies. And they're like, oh, this movie is so tropey. Everything is such a cliche. And I'm like, well, but this started the cliche. This is where it came from. But of course, watching it today, you can't – like that is just in your head. It's going to change knowing that this was the – that this was done when it wasn't a cliche. It doesn't change the fact that it's how it reads to you today. I still think Casablanca is brilliant. I just understand why some people have that reaction to it. I think – for me, the Slave Leia stuff, like, I get where they were going. They were they were trying to do a, we want to show you how awful Jabba is, and we want to show you that even when she's in this very exploitative situation, you know, she can use her chains for her own freedom. And we've talked about that a lot. I think, though, that, and here's kind of the, the Casablanca end of it all, not that Star Wars started this, but that it's gotten much worse since then. There was a long period of time, especially in the movies of the 80s and 90s of my childhood, where directors loved to do a, we're going to show you something and make you think, oh my god, that's so cool or awesome or sexy, but then say, no, 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 but we're we're only showing it to show you how wrong it is, you know? Like, yeah. there would be a lot of 80s movies where it would be like incredible shoot 'em up violent scenes. But then you learn that Schwarzenegger or Stallone or whoever it was, was acting on orders from an evil government. And so we should feel bad about the violence 
But hey, we still got to enjoy the cool, violent scene. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, what we're getting at here is the – and Hollywood winds up doing this a lot – is we want to show you how terrible and wrong it is that how could Jabba not recognize all the awesomeness of Leia and just wants to show her off in this tiny little slave outfit – which, by the way, you, the audience, get to also enjoy Carrie Fisher in the tiny little slave outfit, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that would be it for me. That's a super valid one. And we, as you said, we've talked around this a lot mm-hmm. or about yeah. this a lot. And it just sucks. Like, it didn't age well. It's one of the, in my opinion, like, biggest missteps Lucas made in the first trilogy. Mm-hmm. Just because it is unnecessary and it's clearly mm-hmm. just for sex appeal. Yeah. And I want to say, I think as, as we found when you guys did a great episode that I just edited, um, although, Aaron, you said something that I really wanted to make fun of you for that I've now totally forgotten, which oh, I'm sorry no. for. I want um, to know what it is. <laughs> I know, too. It was towards the end, too. Um, <clears throat> I think it was your sign off. You said something kind of like. Walk oh, it was walkers. so fun. I, I can't remember what it was either. But your sign off was comical. Well, can't wait everybody go back and listen to that episode because it'll come out a week before this one. But um. You know, you guys talked about how there's some people who do find that very empowering, and I think that's awesome. I think there is somebody who said, you know, I don't think there is anything inherently wrong or bad or shameful about nudity or near nudity, and I think that it's, you know, it, it's the fact that it's by, it's not by choice on Leia's part. It's it's compelled on her by by force and by Jabba's de- desire to exploit her and all of that. Um, but you know, some people do find it the fact that she kind of uses her literal chains of her own oppression to mm-hmm. to kill her oppressor, really empowering. Um, certainly an awful lot of OnlyFans for geeks and sexy YouTubers and the like have bought versions or made versions of the Slave Leia costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people who work in some of those industries who said that it's probably the most common costume uh, <laughs> in terms of sexy cosplay out there. So, you know, hey, people are making their bag off it. People find some empowerment in it. That's awesome. Uh, I just... Yeah, we, we've talked about it at length. It just it could have been done a lot better. Yeah. Did you find your moment, Alex, or do you want me to go? I have been, like, pouring over in my head. I see it I, in your eyes. I, I, <laughs> I've been, like, looking over the room trying to think. Like, I think through every scene. So you go first, Aaron, if you have one ready to go. Yeah, so I have a little one. It's not, like, a big thing, but just, like, the plot hole of, like, how did Han not notice Boba Fett following him? Like, why are you so dumb? Like, he's been made out to be this, like, super good pilot and, like, sneaky smuggler and then just doesn't notice someone following him, like, just a little bit behind him when you're on the run. It was just one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny and kind of off for his character. It it does seem like in in space, in this galaxy where we have planet-destroying lasers mm-hmm. – Ships are still seeing each other mostly by sight. Like, oh, they went behind a moon. We can't True. know where they are. Right. All of a sudden, they're out, they're right out there next to Endor, but we just didn't notice them because we were so focused on the on the 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 planetary defense shield. We didn't look out of our left windows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yet in the Clone Wars, they're pulling ships out of hyperspace with like giant magnets on their ships and like doing crazy yeah. crazy things, and they can't do it. The Empire lost all those archives in a. In a house fire, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Um, there you go. <laughs> I, see, I, I, I do consider, and this is not to like sound ridiculous, I do consider the original trilogy to be some of the most like 
perfect movies made. Like mm-hmm. I think that my my biggest overall grape is also Slave Leia. But for me, it's mostly like little things that I just kind of nitpicked and noticed, um, like through my next watch through my my watch through. And I mean, I think that like the whole even without Slave Leia, the whole Jabba scene on Tatooine drags a lot. Like it's longer than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like got really annoyed. <laughs> Han didn't realize um, Boba was following him and. I, I just I'm really struggling to pinpoint like anything that like actively like like if you ask me the same question about like like the Phantom Menace or um you know the Rise of Skywalker or something like I could pick something pretty quickly but same. the originals it's it's really hard for me to to try and think of like something that just didn't work as a whole yeah that's fair that's fair they're <sighs> great sorry. movies they're so good. They just—they're so good. Like it's all—it's really just little. It's all like little things that like you can pretty much ignore. But having seen the movie so many times, I am just like, hmm. I I, I, I see that, and and that could be just a little bit better. But I just just nothing like overarching outside of, you know. I mean, I guess I guess one thing I can think of, um, and I understand it's a product of of the times to a degree, is that. Uh, we're in a, a galaxy that is supposed to be, you know, super wide ranging, and there's sorry, a single. Oh, sorry, my Apple Watch went off. Um, we're in this galaxy that's like super wide ranging and like super, you know, tons of planets and 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 systems and stuff, and and there's there's like one black person. Oh. In in the entire like maybe maybe there's like one or two in the background, but like you know the fact that Lando is the only you know person of color. Um, and like, if I may. Yeah. A very, not very, but a light-skinned person of color. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 like, I, again, I recognize that, like, you know, at the time, like, there was an emphasis on um, inclusion in, in filmmaking. Um, and, you know, and, and Star Wars has, you know, recovered in the sequels a bit. Um, but even, like, I mean, we're going to talk about the prequels right now, but, like, it, it continued into the prequels. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, that's, like, one of the few things that, I think over overall, like, like why are all the Jedi white? Why are all of the main characters white? Like, you yeah. know, um, I'm pretty sure in the or originals, like, it's it's literally just Lando. Not many yeah. women showing up. No, not no. many women showing up either in the originals. And like when, the few people of color that I know of, like you know, Ula are aliens. They're yeah, painted they, to be. They painted different. them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely so. And, you know, the whole, like, who could your sister possibly be? Well, I think at that point, Mon Mothma hadn't appeared on camera. So there literally has only been one named woman in the trilogy. Um, it could have been the woman who's, you know, hello, Ion Control, fire. Excuse me. But we never even learned her name. So. This is Amperu Erasure. Okay, you're right. You're <laughs> but, right. but that is literally only two women named in the in, until Mon Mothma shows up. And also... Did, was Mon Mothma named in the movie? Was her name ever actually said? I, don't I think, think it was so. said in the credits, but it was not actually said in the yeah, movie. Yeah, you know? so like, I, I don't know. It's it's like, yeah. So that, that's I guess that would be my biggest gripe. Um, and we'll talk about it more when the prequels comes out. But like, while they improved, like you know, including a lot more women in the prequels, the race issue was not met. I don't think at any level. Um, no. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get yeah. into that. That's um, my my gripe. Back to the positive then. So what was – what's something you really kind of noticed this time that you had like with this much analysis where you kind of came away being like, I never really realized how much I liked this character or this part of it or, or this kind of through line or whatever it is? 
Aaron? I mean, what stood out to me so much is like Han and Leia. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like I've never, it's never clicked with me until recently. Cause like you kind of mentioned, Alex, like I watched these a ton when I was little, when I didn't, it went over my head. And then when I've watched it recently, it's pretty like distracted viewing. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like, oh, I've seen this a lot of times. Like, I have mm-hmm. ADHD. I'm going to work on cosplay while I do this or something like that. So, yeah, I really just loved getting their story more and getting to know Luke. Like, I had never been a huge Luke fan. People are like, my favorite Jedi is Luke. I was like, bah. Like, yeah, cool. But, like, I just don't see it. And now I do yeah. see it. Yeah, I think that's actually going to be mine, Aaron, is that, you know, I've always liked Luke, but, like, he has not been, like, my top. Like, my top ten have always been, like, Obi-Wan and Anakin and Mm -hmm. those are the people I grew up with. But this time around, I really, really paid attention to Luke and, like, you know, not only just, like, the character, but Mark Hamill's acting throughout the films as it grew and – and I just really appreciate Luke on 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 a – and I feel like a deeper, different level – than I have in the past. Because in the past, I was like, Luke's just kind of whiny. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, he never showed any extraordinary, like, power until we got, like, you know, video games and other content and movies and books and stuff. And yeah. and I, I recognize, partially thanks to, to Matthew um, educating me on subtlety in filmmaking, um, <laughs> how, how Luke's strength and grace and, like, power – really is just more subtle. It's not it's in your face as like Anakin or Obi-Wan's, but it's still very present and yeah. very powerful. And you just have to like really like focus and think about it. Um, and so I feel like that for me like really stuck out this watch through and, and made me appreciate Luke even more than I have in the past. And um, yeah. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. It makes sense. I think for me, it was the droids, honestly. Like I've always loved oh. R2 I don't think I really understood until kind of more recently, and especially I was like paying attention to it this much, how much they are like the narrative power that they have in this story. That they're kind of the like they have they interact with the story itself, but they're also kind of the Greek chorus to some extent of the story, yeah. mm-hmm. and kind of really adding to the the kind of overall mythical level of the story, you know, and 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 the um, the weight of it, and just the. I find C-3PO – I've come to find C-3PO very annoying because I think especially in the prequels and the sequels, they try to – it's almost like where someone takes a very complex character and just gets the top-level thing. And like, oh, yeah, he's annoying and he's prissy and he's anxious and then just repeats that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he works very – I think R2 is great. So the other droids are great. I don't think C-3PO works very well in the later movies. And I think that it colored it. I think I really got to appreciate him again in this rewatching of just how much he grows to some extent. Like we and we talked yeah. about this when we talked about Jedi, about him being willing to to take on that role of the god of the Ewoks, even as nervous and, <laughs> and out of it as he is. Um, but just how much he is representing the like, no, we shouldn't do this. You know, we could always just surrender. We could always just well, Matthew, I, I don't do want to believe... get too political about things, but to me he is that like, he is that character who thinks everyone is still playing by the rules and everything is still normal and it would be bad if the other side wins, but it's all okay because we're all in this larger system that makes it okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the rest of them are realizing, like, no, it's not that. We can't just surrender, even if it's the has the better odds. We can't just kind of let this happen. 
the the rules are being broken. We have to do a much more dramatic thing. Matthew, do you think that when, when the drawers were originally created, three PO was meant to be comedic relief, and then took on a different role? I think he was meant to be comedic relief, but he wasn't meant to be only comedic relief. Mm. And again, I'll really strongly recommend the Japanese movie The Hidden Fortress, where. It's very much a similar story. It's a samurai story set in feudal Japan in like the 1500s, 1600s. It's not supposed to be a modern day story. But there are in it these two kind of like low-life soldiers who get caught up in the larger story, one of whom is always very anxious and is always very concerned about things and the other whom is kind of just like a feral goblin. And it is very, very clear that C-3PO and R2 are based on those two. To the point of, like, I think I said in an earlier episode, their plot line at the start of the movie of they argue, they go in different directions, they both get captured, they find each other in prison or in the Jawa ship and reconnect is exactly like frame for frame taken from that movie. So, and in that movie, I think they serve as a, they definitely are comic relief, but they're also somewhat the Greek the the Greek chorus and mm-hmm. to some extent also they're the reminder of not everyone's a hero like mm-hmm. that yeah most people would look at this and be like let's just do what we can to survive but then mm-hmm. someone like the hero the the Luke Skywalker the Han Solo is much more of the like no let's do the noble thing let's do the let's take the great risk let's do what we can to help yeah. I'm forever gonna call R2D2 a feral goblin now that is an incredible yeah that term. was perfect um, <laughs> also a note to the Greek muses point just one more very quick thing I mean they are the only two characters outside of Solo in every Star Wars film they are in every movie they make a cameo in Rogue One um, so they are like you said kind of like the narrative narrative a narrative thread that exists throughout all of the all of the trilogies all of the movies outside of Solo We'll talk about that later because I think the fact that they're – I don't think that's always a good choice. But yes, that is, that is factually correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was always going to be a, a bit of a shorter episode. But any other comments you guys have or, or things you really liked or things that you didn't like as much about this original trilo- the original trilogies or just like things that you, you kind of noticed before that you hadn't seen before? I find myself feeling that I – Wish I got to know Chewbacca more. Mm. Yeah. Like, he's present and he's always there, but I feel like they don't flesh him out too much because he, you know, can't speak basic. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't just mean can't speak. I was trying to think of the galactical language. No, basic's the right term. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, so... Yeah, I just, like, I think he's been fleshed out a lot in the EU... And mm-hmm. even, like, in the sequels, we I feel like get a, more of a personality from him, especially with Han's death. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess I was hoping to, like, come away from this feeling like I knew him more. But he's one of the core, like, six that I walk away not yeah. feeling more familiar with. Yeah, I mean, I think he's presented very much as Han Solo's sidekick mm-hmm. and, and thus not as much and, you know – as much as I love Leia, she says some pretty horrible things about the walking carpet, you know, and things True. like that. And and we already talked about how there's a, um, you know, he doesn't get a medal at the end of uh, A New Hope, which they retroactively added some justification for. But to me, that's mm-hmm. it's just silly. It's like he didn't get it at the end of A New Hope. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely would agree with that. I think he's a, 
I love that we're getting more about his character and also that we're now also getting more about the other Wookiees, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I know there's a, a Wookiee who's kind of one of the stars of Young Jedi Adventures who's really beloved. Briaga. Uh, yep. We do learn all about um, Wookiee cultures and Wookiee holidays in a very important piece of Star Wars media that doesn't get as much attention, the Star Wars uh, holiday special. I want to do an episode <clears throat> on that so badly. Oh, yeah. We can do it. We can do it. Lumpy. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what about yourself? Yeah. um, You know, I think that watching this through again and really like like hyper focusing on it, it you know you know there are absolutely you know there there are issues when it comes to representation and you know the way that you know that Carrie Fisher was treated, but distilling it down to the story alone, Lucas was a goddamn visionary. Yeah, like I just I think back, um, you know, and I and I've read and listened to some some listened to podcasts and read some things about like how this movie was actually made. The movies were made, and I mean, especially the first one, like super low budget. No one believed in him. He was just making drawings like on scrap paper about these characters. Like people were reading this dialogue and thought he was like crazy for writing this all down. Yeah, and and the way that this story came together, the way it makes me feel, like the fact that it, like I can see these movies dozens and dozens and dozens of times and still they'll still elicit emotional reactions out of me it's really incredible and really impressive and i think that i just it just it just like not that my love of stars ever went down at any level but it, like, it feels like just every time i watch them it, it like reignites it to like a, a new level because you know for me like the prequels like, I like the prequels. Like, Attack of the Clones is, like, a black mark for me in the prequels. It's just boring to me. Like, mm-hmm. the sequels. I like the sequels a lot, too. But, you know, like, they're just, like, you know, some of the movies just aren't as strong as the others. While it felt like, for me, the original movies, the original trilogy, all three movies, super strong on their own. And yeah. make such a coherent grouping. Um, while if it was like the other ones might, you know, like, I know, Matthew, you know, you, like, really love The Last Shadow. Like, that might be the best of the three you know, I mean, everyone has their opinion, but, you know, and for me, Revenge of the Sith is the best of the three. And, like, there's there's distances between those, though. Like, it's like, for yeah. me, episode three is significantly better than the other two. And, you know, for the originals, they are so razor-thin margins. It's just preference because I think they're just so well-made. And the fact that they did this, you know, I mean, 1977, you know, that first movie, it's what, we can't do math, 46 years ago. Um, is incredibly impressive, and um, I just I'm I I am astonished that we that we can't recreate that in the modern era, um, <laughs> and I don't know if we'll ever be able to recapture that magic fully, um, uh-huh. but I think we're doing a, a better. They've been doing a better job with the shows to like recapture a yeah. little bit of it, but I don't think they'll ever be able to fully. You know, they had lightning in a freaking bottle, and I don't know if they're ever gonna be able to get that back to the level they had it. Um, and so I just like to really appreciate that that exists and that I get to show that to my kids one day and, and, um, and share that with people, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. for a long yeah. time. I mean, I think, I think like you said, these three are much more consistent than the other mm-hmm. trilogies. And I don't think they hit quite the highs of some of the others, but they're never the lows. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're all just very much of a piece. And I, I agree with you about the Lucas point, but I do think it's very important that, Luke, this is gonna. Uh, some English majors are gonna get very mad at me here, but like I think this is fair. I think that Lucas, in his skill set, is very similar to J.R.R. Tolkien, in that I think both of them are 
incredible world builders mm-hmm. and incredible tellers of epic sagas and incredible characters, but they both needed editors. And frankly, yeah. I think Peter Jackson's version of the Tolkien stories are much better than what's on the page. Um, and that's probably going to get me all the angry hate mail. And in the same ways, you're right. Lucas is phenomenal in what he creates. But it's also because he had a lot – he would basically just like spew out all these ideas and then between his wife doing the film editing and a number of other people doing dialogue editing and things like that, he had a lot of people who were willing to say no to him. Mm-hmm. And as as extreme and weird as some of this dialogue is, the original scripts were much more out there and they had yeah. people who were willing to cut it back some. And mm-hmm. – I'm not going to try and start the prequels conversations here, but I think that one of the topics that will come up there a lot is that I think that – and I think this happens with a lot of other authors. Like look at how like – just how much longer the um, uh, George R. R. Martin books have been getting. Look at Tom Clancy books. Look at Stephen King. Look at um, – uh, what's his name? The guy who does um, uh, Brandon Sanderson. Like – the more popular a writer or a creator gets, the more that editors feel like they can't say no to that person. And I think that the prequels had a lot less of people saying no to George Lucas. And I think that's where a lot of the problems came from. Um, and we can get into that when we get into the prequels, but I think it's that – to me, that I mostly want to talk about that here in terms of the original trilogy. This to me is George Lucas being able to spew his creativity out into the world, but then other people being willing to be like, OK, hey, that's awesome. You've thought of things I would have never thought of in a million years, but now let me help you kind of cut out the edges and and shape it more and make it more to something that will make sense to people who are not literally inside your head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kazdin definitely, like, when Empire was coming out, definitely cut things back as well. And I, and I also agree that, like, they really said, Lucas, run free in the prequels. And We'll discuss the ver- the, the uh, veracity of this later. That is how we got midi-chlorians, for better or for worse, because Lucas was allowed to do whatever he wanted. Um, and I think that by Revenge of the Sith, they might have like helped taper him back a little bit again. Um, but I, I, I do agree. I, I mean, I think that he was the wellspring of all of this, uh, and having the strong people around him, including his wife and, and, and the editors and the directors and the screenwriters to like – distill that water down to something that's like, you know, what we got on screen is, is very fair point to make. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think Lucas was a visionary, but you're right. You know, it does take a village to, to create something this strong. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great comparison between like Tolkien and Lucas. Cause obviously very different, you know, writer, filmmaker, Mm -hmm. but it is just the world building. Like, they yeah. both have gone to the depths of creating universes that now have their own languages. Like, there's a full dictionary of Mandoe online. I use it a lot when I'm reading the Hard Contact and, like, Republic Commando books because they use the slang and the terms all the time. Yeah. And that just, like, depth to a universe makes it so much more full and so much better. Very much so. Very much so. And I think it's why... Like, I think the arguments over consistency can get very silly sometimes, but I think it's why we care about that consistency is because we want to know that people are respecting all of that history and things like that. Yeah. And I think it's part of why – I think part of why we have been really – I've been watching a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff about the sequels and about also the new TV shows. You know, I think 
by the prequels, like, I grew up with the original trilogy, and so I was 20 when the prequels came out. Like, mm-hmm. the, the sequel era, and more importantly, the Disney TV show era and books, this is the first time where we have creative adults who are in their 30s and 40s and, and older and thus able to sort of play in this playground are people who themselves grew up on the original trilogy. And I yeah. think that also has made such a huge difference there. We'll talk about that later. I agree. Any, like, universe is just improved by getting actual fans involved. Like, Dave Filoni is a testament to that. Like, yeah. he loves Star Wars so damn much. And he has made so many incredible things for them. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. I I would love to really learn – I hope that kind of, like – to me, there's kind of like a holy trilogy right now. There's kind of, to me, there's kind of like a holy trinity right now uh, at Disney Plus, uh, and for some reason, their names all start with F. Uh, you know, <laughs> Favreau, Filoni, and Feige. And I think it's, I think there's a lot of truth to the idea that like Filoni and Favreau are the fight. What Feige is to the MCU, Filoni and Favreau are to uh, Star Wars, and it's not quite the same, and Kathleen Kennedy is in there as well, and she has had a lot of very positive effects. I know she gets bashed on all the time, and I think there's a lot of uh, reasons for that. I think she's made some mistakes, but also an awful lot of misogyny. But I, I would love to, at some later point, really hear the stories between what all three of those, like, what the real backstory is. On that kind of a note, since we are, as you you put it, Aaron, getting so much that's exploring all these eras, it's kind of our last question. What is a character or a part of this world or something that's kind of like the hook is baited in the original trilogy that you would love to see more of? Like love to see more of this character's backstory or this part of the history or anything like that? I want... I want my um, my Lando show with uh, with Childish Donald Gambino Glover. with uh, what's his name? What's yeah. his actual Donald name? Donald Glover. Thank you, Donald Glover. Like I, they they teased that for years. I would I want more about Lando's backstory. I'd love to know about Chewbacca when he was younger on Kashyyyk. You know, mm-hmm. um, we got a little Han prequel. You know, we've pieced together. You know, I mean, Luke just lived on a farm. Like I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I feel like. We can have our discussion about it whenever we talk about it. You know, we got to see Leia as a child and what her life looked like. We have never gotten to see, like, Chewbacca or Lando, really, in their early, early periods. And I feel like I would love to see some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we might get it. I mean, we're, we're getting Mon Mothma. Dude, I my, – maybe my favorite – one of my favorite parts of Andor is seeing Mon Mothma and, like, her – character flesh out and like what she was like in the senate and like i love getting to know more about these people so yeah i don't know me too yeah definitely on my list is andor but also then more stuff because i think andor himself is a fascinating character yep but like to me that is always a question i find really fascinating is when there is in theory some semblance of democratic government but we all know that there's an awful lot of oppression. Like, how do you find the line between when you work through the very broken government versus when you go outside the government and turn to violence? And mm-hmm. I think Andor's exploring that. I'd love to really see a lot more of that time. You know, I would love to see, like, Bail Organa and Leia Organa and um, Mon Mothman, all that. Like, to see the early days of the formation of the, the resistance, you know, and the, and the rebellion. And especially if we could 
you know, there were those scenes that were cut out of Revenge of the Sith, but we know that it's supposed to be canon that Padme was one of the people who really started the like, hey, this emperor is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Like to see that whole through line, um, as well as to get more like, because I loved like getting more time with Bale and with uh, little Leia, and mm-hmm. um, there have been so many books about that that are so good. So yeah, and I'd, I'd love to see like you know, um, I mean, to what degree like you know, I, I mean. Obviously, Obi-Wan was on Tatooine for a lot of the time. What degree he did, once he starts talking with Qui-Gon, like, what degree he did, like, have, if he had an influence in the Rebellion or, like, what his role was in any level. Um, yep. I, I, have a, I have a quick question for the two of you in that people have asked about this and not asked me, but I've seen people ask for a standalone Darth Vader movie. And I've seen people are like, the entire saga is about Anakin and Darth Vader. Why do you want a standalone movie? People are like, well, yes, but... We don't get to really see – and there are books and comics about it. But we don't get to see Vader like really in his prime like, you know, in that you know that era between A New Hope and Revenge of the Sith. Like we finally get to see it a little bit in Obi-Wan. We see flashes of it in Rogue One. We see flashes of it in, um, you know, whatever. But people have – you know, do either you two think there is a space or a need for a movie that shows Vader in that capacity? So, OK. Here's all I'll say. I don't think that there is a need. However, I would love an animated show adapted off of a book or comic book that already exists. Like, I don't want to retcon all of that because I know those stories are so good. I haven't read Mm -hmm. nearly any of them, but I know it's so good. And especially, like, in the Thrawn books, just, like, the bit we get of Vader there. I would love, like, maybe a miniseries. Maybe, like, just, like, a one season. And it can be animated, you know, because – yeah. With, like, James Earl Jones gone, I feel like there's a lot they can do with Vader in live action, but I don't think that we would need live action for this type of a story. I would really love to see it in – and maybe it's a comic book style cartoon, you know? That would be really cool. Yeah. He didn't die and I didn't realize it, right? He just retired. Correct. Yeah, he yeah, okay, he just okay. retired, and he intentionally recorded all of his voice so that they can do AI with him. Which yeah, I I have issues with AI in general, but in this case, at least the actor is giving full consent and getting very well compensated. I'm so torn because for me, if we're gonna do more of a character story, it's because there's character beats that we haven't seen that I want to see, and my sense is that. A lot of the people who are saying – are calling for what you're talking about, Alex, not necessarily that this is you, but that a lot of people have seen, it's it's not they want to see more of the character beats. It's, oh my god, he was so badass in Rogue One. I want to see more of Anakin Skywalker being badass. I want to see more of Luke – of Darth Vader being badass. And I don't really care about that as much. But if we're going to do that, I think the much better way is to do a different set of stories where he gets to show up every now and then and be badass. Like – um. I think one of my favorite new books is uh, Rise of the Red Blade. Danielle and I did mm-hmm. a couple of coverage of it last year. It's very good, but it's all about how people become Inquisitors. Uh, an animated TV show or even a live action TV show about the Inquisitors and like that whole process. Um, and Darth Vader shows up every now and then. That could be awesome. Um, when you were talking about a comic or something like that, Aaron, that's exactly what Dr. Afra is. Like, Dr. Yeah. Afra is working for Vader during the period after A New Hope. And, yeah, Vader's going through a lot then. So there are some great character moments, as well as him getting to be super badass. But he's mostly kept off screen, you know? So I I, I don't think I want a Darth Vader standalone by any means, because I think we have had most of his story. And I, 
I just don't trust them to not put in more things where now the stuff that exists, I have to do a like, oh, but from a certain point of view, it's okay, blah, 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 blah. Um, But I think some other story where he is a side character, but you get just enough of him to be reminded, like like the way he is in Rogue One, that I think could be really cool. And I agree with that completely because I think the power and strength of Vader is that he is used sparingly, is that he only shows up in really high gravity moments and that builds mm-hmm. his like mysterious aura and like, you know, his intimidation presence. factor. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I would love something about the inquisitors. I would love mm-hmm. that. Like, I want to know the Jedi temple guard to inquisitor pipeline. I want to yeah. know what happened. <laughs> I want to know where they came from. And like you said, Rise of the Red Blade um, exists. It's on my list of audiobooks to buy. I just haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. But I would love more about the Inquisitors. And I think that's a great way to include Vader yeah. in a really menacing <clears throat> way. Mm-hmm. I also think, and Andor's kind of reminded me of this as his Rogue One, I I do love taking stories where we see the really high-level stuff and seeing it much more from the on-the-ground perspective. You know, the kind of the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern kind of view of things. I'd love the original trilogy through Wedge's eyes. Or even, like, just through someone oh, even, like, you know... I mean, heck, now that we've cast someone who's a really good Hera Syndulla, <laughs> what if we get Wedge and Hera through the original trilogy? You know, and we get to see some of those, like, you know... Lando pulled off some crazy maneuver at the Battle of, I think it's Tanang. I'm not sure the exact name of it, but let's see that. Let's see more of like, <clears throat> you know, it could be, again, these named characters or it could be a completely new set of characters, which is even better then because we don't know how much who lives through what. But that could be another fun thing, I think. Um, you know, see the Bothan spies, like do a re- Rogue One movie about that. Um, I would love that. You know. <clears throat> and again, that would also have such a tragic feel because on some level we're like rooting for their heroism but we also know that they're being allowed to win, you know, because that's what the Emperor wants. So, yeah, there's just so much. There's so much there. Yeah. Real quick, um, a person I would love to see more of. I had it before we talked about Vader. Sorry. No, I. It was someone interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you, you come up with it. We'll edit it back in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of, though, we're going to start wrapping up. We're going to have a great bonus section where we're going to um, preview a little bit of our – we're going to prequel our prequel conversation just a little mm. bit. Uh, but, Aaron, I know you did got to do something awesome with Star Wars that you wanted to mention. Yeah, so just kind of a shout-out story for all of you. I recently went to the Frozen Force Artist Showcase. It was actually um, in Hermantown, kind of up by Duluth, so a little ways away from where I am in the cities. But it was put on by this guy. His name uh, for is – For those who don't know, Erin can forget sometimes that not everybody lives in Minnesota, so all this is about Minnesota she's talking about. Correct, yeah. If you're in the Twin Cities area, these names make sense to you. If not, sorry, I'm going to keep talking about it. Um, anyways, it was put on by a guy named Steve Carbo. It's K-A-A-R-B-O-O. I know he's on um, Facebook. But he does a lot of really great stuff. And specifically, this was a fundraiser for the Minnesota Masonic Children's Clinic for Communication Disorders. So what is it is, is it's a nonprofit place that takes children who are unable to communicate, whether it's that 
they have some verbal ability and just struggle to formulate their thoughts, whether it's they have like speech impediments, even to the point of disabilities where they need an AI chair to like measure their eye movements. But they're there to for free train these kids and find ways for them to connect and communicate with their families. And so that's what this fundraiser was for. There was a raffle. There was a bunch of um, bids, a silent auction. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And Steve had just invited me to come as a cosplayer. And we got this kind of crazy weather here. There was supposed to be a ton of snow. Windchill was in like negative 20s. And so a lot of cosplayers from the Twin Cities ended up canceling and not coming by. But I meant, I just went by. Um, I thought it'd be fun. I have a friend who lives over there. So I just stayed with him. But it was a really lovely experience to meet other people. I met this guy. He gave me an Ahsoka Tano. Um, comic just for being dressed as her which was super kind him and his wife mary are cool but i actually ended up speaking to the organizer not the organizer but um one of the i think she was the director of the masonic children's clinic mm-hmm. and i just kind of asked like hey i don't know if this is something your kids would be interested in or would like work well for them but if you want like i would love to do some cosplay stuff for them like bring some friends And so this is a little bit of a call to the cosplay community in the Twin Cities area, Wisconsin, anywhere, if you're willing to do a bit of travel. Um, She said they do an event in the summer that we could probably come by and just, if you're a Star Wars character, if you do superheroes, hell, like, if you just listen to this podcast and you're in the area, you don't have a cosplay now, I would love it if you guys just, you know, buy a $30 Padme outfit or, like, something on Amazon. Like, it doesn't have to be crazy, but just to come and, like, see these kids because they don't have the opportunity to go to Comic-Cons or Halloween parties. That's too overstimulating for them. Yeah. And so I would really love – and I will be going there um, as Ahsoka at some point. So please DM me if you're interested, if you have any questions. I'm at Lady Tunnel Creates on Instagram. You can also DM the show, which is SW Generations Podcast on Instagram. Or I'm on TikTok, also Lady Tunnel Creates. Send me messages. Send me questions. I really want to get together, like, a good group of people to go and just, like, make these children happy. Yeah. I'm so glad you're doing that. I'm so glad you're talking about that. And I'll say a lot of our fans do listen in in those areas, but everyone who doesn't, there are kids like this in hospitals all around the world, you know, and I'm, I think that this is a specific kind of event, but like if you're a cosplayer and you're thinking about that, like, yeah, reach out to local hospitals, reach out to Masonic groups, reach out to, um, you know, uh, any kind of group that is helping kids or, you know, helping anyone. Like often just having a cosplayer at an event doing some cool thing is, is a great way to get more people into the event and to help raise money for a cause or raise awareness or whatever it is. Um, and certainly if you're doing that kind of stuff, you want to let more people know, let us know. Send in those things to all the places that Aaron mentioned or, of course, to just um, theethicalpanda at gmail.com or, um, you know, any, any any of the ways to contact us, all of which is in the show notes. Please think about uh, letting us know. It would be great to hear about all that. Um, you also, of course, can find all the awesome stuff that Aaron is doing on there and all the awesome stuff that Alex is doing on there. All of our contacts is in the show notes. And especially that's good ways to just let us know what you're thinking. We'd love to hear what are your overall thoughts on the Old, te- on the old Testament is what I keep thinking when I see OT. <laughs> On the original trilogy, um, you know, the let us know your Testament. thoughts. We're going to start doing the prequels pretty soon. We're going to start doing the Republic Commando books. Uh, let us know. All the information in the show notes, we'd love to hear from you. If you stick around for the member section, thank you again so much. For everybody else, please think about becoming a member. We have spoken. Stay classy, Yavin 4.
Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And it was worth it. 